it's important to know who someone really is. You need to know who someone really is so you know who you're dealing with. Okay, let me tell you a story. In year 12, I had this mate. And when we were in year 12, he was about, he was probably about my age. He was like 22. And he was 22 because he like, he went to, he had to do year 12 again because he was foreign and he was like from England. So he had to come and he had to do year 12 so he could go to uni again. But he was heaps older than everyone else. So he looked heaps older because he was 22. He probably had a beard or something. He dressed heaps older. He wore like this long black coat to school that like a British detective would wear. He, what did he wear? He had his bag, all the stuff was in like a satchel that like uni students would wear, okay, and it was pretty lame, but he was heaps older, all right? And one time we're in science, and our teacher was away, so they got like a sub in or something like that, um, and the sub walked in, and as the sub walked into the classroom, my mate, who looks heaps older, is walking past the front of the class, all right? The teacher walks in, sees him at the front of the class, and the sub goes, oh, do you have this class? And he goes, yep. <laughs> the teacher goes, all right. And the teacher left, and we did nothing the whole period. It was the best. And it was hilarious, and we got the whole period off and just did whatever. It was the best. It was so good. Uh, now, if they knew who he really was, they would have treated him differently. They would have said, sit down, get out, or whatever. Because it's important to know who someone really is. We're going to see that tonight. Now, you'll all have in your head some idea of who Jesus is. But if you've got the wrong idea, you'll treat Jesus the wrong way. So if you think Jesus is some hippie, then you'll treat Jesus like a pushover and he doesn't really care about anything. Or if you're a Christian and you have a good idea of who Jesus is, you need to remember, no one's got a perfect view of Jesus. We need to keep correcting it, keep matching it up with the Bible, and keep digging into who Jesus is. So tonight, we're going to see what Jesus is really like. And that'll change how we treat him and how we live our lives and all that stuff. So how about I pray and then we get stuck into the Bible. You can pray with me. God, thank you so much that you speak to us and thank you for sending Jesus. Um, Please show us who Jesus is and help him to see him clearly. And I pray that it'll change how we live our lives and I pray we want to live our lives for you. Amen. I want to set the scene for this verse that we just just heard and that we're going to dig into. I'm going to tell you about six events. All right? Event number one. At the start of everything, as you guys will know, there was God. Uh, and God made everything. We should have my events up on here. Do we have them? Do we? Do we? Yes. Event one. God creates everything. All right? And it's all sweet. God makes it. He's good. He makes humans. They're loving it. Good relationship with God. Good relationship with everyone. And everything is going sweet. And then, next event. Humans reject God. They start living their own way and things just get bad and messed up. People just start killing each other. Nations are waging war against other nations and the world just gets messed up big time. That's event number two. But then what God God does, did, is he picked one nation, the nation Israel. And he said, you guys, you, the country Israel, you'll be my people. I got your back. I'll be with you. I'll look after you. And God had this nation's back. And that was event number three. God had this nation's back. But then that nation went bad as well. Israel rejected God. Israel went heaps bad. They were sinful and selfish and broken. And that was event number four. And then came event number five. 
God made a promise. God promised Israel that he would send him a king. He promised that a king would come to Israel and deal with the problem once for all. God would send a king to rule the nation, to make it right again. And then Israel just did these ones. Looking at the watch, waiting for the king. Waiting for big event number six to come. When the king would come. That's all they're doing. And that's the background of this part of Luke. Israel is sitting there waiting. And in this part of Luke, we're going to see two massive things. The first thing is that Jesus is the king that God promised Israel. Jesus is the king God promised Israel. If you've got your Bibles, look at verse 28. Have a look down. If you don't, have a look at someone next to you or check it out on the screen. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. Now, Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Do you guys have any idea where Jerusalem is? Kind of. To us it is. Uh, Any idea? Jerusalem, I've got a helpful little map, if this helps. It's not what it looks like. (laughs) Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. That's where Jerusalem is. Jerusalem is in Israel. So Jesus is heading to Israel, the capital of Israel, and Israel is where the king was going to be. Israel was that nation. Jesus is cruising to the place where the king was going to be because he is the king. But that's not all there is. Look down. Verse 30 is what Jesus says. He says to his disciples, go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there. Colt, little donkey. That's what we're thinking of when we're talking colt, little donkey. Find a colt tied there which no one's ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And then look down at verse 35. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. Now, it may not seem like that big a deal to you that Jesus cruised into Jerusalem on a little donkey. But to the people at the time, it would have been a huge deal. It would have been massive. If you your Bibles with you, I want you to come back to Zechariah. All right? Now, you're going to be confused. It's going to be about four or five books back. It's going to be towards the end of the Old Testament. Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9. And if you're freaking out because you don't have one, or you're just going to, it'll take you six years to get there, just look on the screen. But if you've got it, it'll be good to go there. Zechariah 9. And just give me kind of nods when you reckon you're there. Oh, that's so many nods. You guys are pretty quick. Alrighty. Zechariah 9 9. If you're not there now, you just became a screen person. Uh, this in Zechariah 9 is what God said would happen when the king would come. What God said is going to happen at event number six. Alright? This is what he says. Look at 9 verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Are you guys tracking with what's going on? God said his king, event number six king, would come to Jerusalem on a donkey. And then Jesus does exactly that. He's openly claiming he is God's king. That's me. He's the one Israel's been waiting for who will rescue them and save them. And the people who see Jesus, they know that. Check out what the people do. And you're going to have to come back to Luke. Flick back to Luke. Luke 19. And look at verse 36 and see what the people do. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Jesus cruising on the donkey and people just go, here comes Jesus on the donkey. Here you go, Jesus. Off you go. 
on all these cloaks, and there's just a big line of cloaks, and Jesus is just donkey riding across all the cloaks. All right? Why do you reckon they're doing that? Why are they chucking cloaks down? Because they get it. They get that he's God's king. He is the one they've been waiting for, and they know it. Look at what they say in verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They know he's God's king. And they are stoked that he's finally here. It means God's come to rescue him. The king is going to come and save him. Now, there's some other people who don't reckon Jesus is the king. If you look at verse 39, there'll be some dudes going, Oh, Jesus, these dudes think you're the king. Correct them. And Jesus goes, Shut up. Pretty much. He doesn't really. But he goes, Look, if you keep them quiet, someone's going to say it. Someone's going to yell this out. You can't keep quiet that I'm the king. He's that big a deal. All right? He is the king they've been waiting for. It's, like Harry, it's kind of like Harry Potter. Now, I don't know Harry Potter heaps well, so bear with my stupidity. All right? But in Harry Potter, if I'm getting this right, there was this heaps bad dude that should not be named. Okay? Yeah, it's Voldemort. We'll cope. All right? We'll be all right. Okay? So there's this he's bad dude, Voldemort, and he just wreaks havoc everywhere. And everyone's like, oh no, Voldemort, Voldemort, what's doing? But they don't say that because they're so scared of saying his name. But anyway, he's just wreaking havoc in the witch wizard world, and the witch wizard world is freaking out, and they're messed up, and it's gone heaps bad. But there's said to be one, one that will come, one wizard that will take down Voldemort. And everyone's just waiting. Going, where's he going to be? Where's he going to come? Is that him? No, he's coming. All right? And they're just waiting. And then Harry Potter cruises up on the scene, and he's the chosen one, and he's the man, and everyone is stoked because this is the one that takes down Voldemort. And I've seen the end of it, and I don't remember what happens, but I assume he takes down Voldemort. <laughs> All right? It would probably make sense if that's what happened. But he was the chosen one, the one they've been waiting for, the one that would save them. And that part of him is what's like Jesus. They're expecting someone to come and save them from their messed up situation in Israel. And then Jesus rocks up and he shows everyone, I'm the king. I am the promised king, the one you've been waiting for. Now, knowing that Jesus is the king should change how you see your life. It should flip it upside down and cut right to the heart of how you live your life. There's two ways you can see Jesus, that all of us will see Jesus. There's, Jesus is here for me, and then there's, I am here for Jesus. The difference may seem little, but it's massive. There's, Jesus is here for me, and I am here for Jesus. Now, Jesus is here for me is where you are the main character, and Jesus is here to help you out. You want Jesus to make your life better, to help you out, to save you, to do whatever you need. I call this beanbag Christianity. You know how a beanbag works? Sit in a beanbag, and it just deals with you. It just fits around you. I ain't changing. I just sit, and the beanbag goes, all right, I'll make you more comfortable. All right? I'm looking out for you. Beanbag changes to fit me. That's not what Jesus is like. Jesus is not our beanbag. Jesus is the king of the universe, the king that God promised. He's not our beanbag. He's not our butler. He's not our ATM machine. Jesus does not exist for you. It doesn't. It's the total opposite. We exist for Jesus. He's the king and we exist for him. We're the servants. If anything, we're his beanbag. 
but that's probably not the way I'd put it. But it'd be closer. Okay? Not Jesus is here for me. I am here for Jesus. Ask yourself, which is the way that you see your life? Now, maybe it's hard to tell. What do you think your friends and those around you would say about you? Do you live for Jesus? Or is Jesus something that you just have to help you out? He's a part of your life. Now, I reckon this is what it would look like to live as a I am here for Jesus person. Have a listen and see if this sounds like you. You see your whole life as a way of serving Jesus. Everything you own, you use for Jesus. Your money is completely used for your king. You've made sure that you have friends who can encourage you to love Jesus more and you do the same for your friends. You've got friends that you tell about Jesus even though you might find it hard and awkward. You love talking about your king to other people. You read the words that he's spoken to you in the Bible. Your entire life is different to those people that don't know Jesus because you want to please your king. Your entire life is for Jesus. Ask yourself, is that you? If it is, keep going, keep growing. All right? You're on the right track. You haven't made it, but you're on the right track. And if that's not you, how awesome would that be if that was you? See Jesus clearly. Make him your king. Be an I am here for Jesus person. That'd be unreal. Do you need to change how you're living? If so, do it. Just go for it. Talk to a leader, but just do it. Now, some of you Christians, you'll already know that Jesus is the king. And if you ever ask the question, why do people not get it? You're going, I know Jesus is the king. It's so obvious. Then why does everyone at school go, Jesus? They immediately think hippie. They just goes, oh yeah, all sweet. Why do they do that? Well, this tells us in this part of the Bible. It's because Jesus is God's king. But the second big thing I want you to see is Jesus is no ordinary king. Jesus is a strange, unlikely, surprising king. Do you guys remember how Jesus rocked up into this town? Check out verse 35. Look down at verse 35 in your Bibles. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. Now, most kings do not cruise around on little donkeys. They cruise around on big stallions and war horses and big impressive things. Check out what Aladdin cruised in. He's rocking up on a sick elephant. Okay, look how impressive he looks. He looks like a mad dog king. This is what Jesus rode in on. Not the mummy, the little one. All right, that's Jesus. Okay, it was probably something more like that. Just a little donkey. His feet probably dragged along the ground as he was on that donkey. Uh, kind of weird, not what you're expecting from a king. Uh, but Jesus is making a point. He is no ordinary king. He isn't the king that they thought he was going to be. They're expecting some big, powerful king that will lead them into war and beat nations for them. But Jesus is going, no, I am the king you've been waiting for, but you don't get who I am. You guys remember where Jesus is going? Yeah, check down in verse 28. After Jesus has said this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. Now, why Jerusalem? You guys will know this. A lot of you, if you've been here at Luke, you should definitely have crammed into your brain why Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Come back one page, chapter 18. For those of you that forget, and I think we could all go for a reminder. Chapter 18, verse 31. This is why he's going to Jerusalem. See if you can pick it up. 
Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that's written about the prophets and about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. They will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he'll rise again. You guys catch where he's going to Jerusalem? He's going to get killed. So Jesus, the king, is on a big journey marching towards to go get killed. What kind of a king does that? What kind of a person in their right mind goes on a big mission to get killed? That's outrageous for a person, never mind a king. And that was his plan all along. If you're taking notes, write down Luke 9, 30, 51. Chase it up later. And it tells us Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem. He set his face there and he went. He wasn't a king who came to just sit down while everyone served him. Okay? He's, he is now in heaven. He wants everyone to serve him. But he knew he would die in Jerusalem. So he headed there. Every step was a step closer to getting brutally executed on a cross. Jesus is no ordinary king. He came to die. Now, everyone look at me. When Jesus died, he was punished by God for what you did. Now, God should have punished us for the way we treat him, but Jesus got punished instead. How awesome is Jesus! That's the king I follow, and that's the king a lot of you guys follow. He has done so much for us, and we have done diddly squat for him. What a king. He's unreal. He had the great lengths he took for us to choose to go to the cross. He is the man. That's the guy I'm giving my life to. That's why he came to earth. That's why he went to Jerusalem, to die for us. That's no ordinary king. Like, think back to Harry Potter. Harry Potter was not some big, buff, scary dude. He was a dweeby little kid. Uh Because he was no ordinary chosen one. He was just some little kid, and then he grew up, and he was still kind of weedy. And if you saw him at school, and you were a bully, you'd probably pick on him. Uh Don't pick on kids like that. But he was a weedy kid. He He was not an ordinary chosen one. Let me tell you another example. You guys know Mark Zuckerberg? Yeah, who's Mark Zuckerberg? This dude. Uh, Facebook dude, cool. Okay, if you don't know, this is the guy that made Facebook. He is worth $13.3 billion. That was a lot of money. Okay, that was a lot of money. Most of you guys don't have $13 to your name. All right? But think about what he could do with that kind of money. He could do so much stuff. And everyone knows about this guy. Most people you know, almost all of them, use what this guy created. And people from all over the world would use Facebook. He would be a big, impressive guy. But I bet if you walked past him in the street, you wouldn't be able to pick the difference. You'd expect some billionaire to have big, fancy suits and to just be so extravagant that you can easily pick him out like Aladdin on an elephant. Okay? He'd just cruise around in jeans, thongs, and a t-shirt. Even though he's a billionaire and he could afford the most expensive suits and then just chuck it out after everywhere. And he, he got married in his backyard and on his honeymoon was just munching on Maccas. That's no ordinary billionaire. That's not what you expect. You couldn't pick him apart from the crowd. It's like Jesus, but Jesus is just that on a huge scale. He's God's promised king, but yet he rocks up on a donkey and is heading to get killed. He's not what you expect from a king. Jesus did not look impressive. 
He was a very humble man. So if we want to follow Jesus, we've got to be doing the same thing. We've got to be humble as well. Being a Christian is about living the low life, not about living, looking awesome in everyone else's eyes. Christians, you don't have to look impressive. Stop making such a big deal of yourself. It's okay if people don't think you're awesome. Want to know why? I'll give you two reasons. One, you're not awesome. Okay? You're really not. And two, Jesus didn't look awesome. Okay? He cruised around a little donkey and got hung on a cross. Okay? Are you the type of person who tries to make yourself look heaps good? On Facebook, do you just type in statuses that try to make you look heaps impressive? Just bragging about your life. I did this heaps good thing. Check out how good my life is. I'm the best. Are you just bragging? That's not what being a Christian is. We need to be living the lowly life. We don't try to be impressive. Try posting a status about how unimpressive you are. That'll be heaps harder. Okay, Try and be realistic. Or are you the type of person that just spends ages just thinking about what are you going to wear so that everyone can think you look awesome? Dude, Jesus cruised around on a little donkey. He would have looked pathetic. He didn't look impressive. Just chuck some clothes on and get out. It's not that big a deal. Okay? Following Jesus is not about being impressive. It's a lowly life. One more. Are you the type of person that won't share the things you're struggling with with your Christian mates because you're afraid of how it'll make you look? Now look at me. Following Jesus is not about you looking good to other people. Following Jesus means looking, being humble and unimpressive. Now we got an awesome king. He is humble. He's willing to go to great lengths for us. He is the king that we've been waiting for. Man, he's good. So let's live our whole lives for him. How about I pray and you guys can pray with me and we can ask him to help us to do that. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus for us. Thank you that he went to such great lengths for us and that he gave us a great example of what it would mean to follow him. Please help us to live our lives for Jesus. Help us to be people that are here for Jesus and not the other way around. And God, please help us to not be worried about looking impressive, but I pray that we can follow Jesus' lowly example. Thanks heaps for Jesus' death for us and help us to lead our lives for him. Amen.